I'm going to read, read out of the Bible to you, the Holy Scriptures, and uh, I've got a little bit of time. We're going to try to get done by 12 so we can get over there. A uh, lot, of, lot of preparation, a lot of work's been uh, done to get some food together, and we're going to enjoy the day uh, celebrating this place and, and all those names that Betty mentioned um, you know, some of those names are very dear to me as well, especially, uh, you know, Mickey and, and Fred. Uh, as a little boy, uh, I spent many days at Fred's house uh, with him and Jan and my, my cousin Beth. Um, I remember days where they would be getting out of church here, and I was running around, you know, not caring a bit. And I was riding my bike by this church one day when they were getting out of church. And I remember Beth, she was always so sweet. And she was always asking me, you know, to come. You need to come to church with us. You need to come on over here. And, uh, you know, just think. I mean, never, never dreamed that I'd be standing up here preaching a message. So God works in uh, great ways. And he likes to use people. You know, uh, we're going to read a little bit about Two people in the Bible that represent uh, those who have gone before us, those who, uh, the older generation that are still around that have taught us things and have showed us examples of following the, the Lord, and their desire is to bring up others who will come up after them because they know they're not going to be here forever. They're going to pass on and they want the younger people to come up and to fill their spots. So one of the greatest gifts that anybody here can give to someone is to leave behind a person who can carry on as you leave, you know, that you have brought somebody up that could follow in your footsteps. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Mickey and Fred were very good examples of bringing people up and I just noticed that, you know, all the times that Fred and Jan w wanted me to be here, to come here, and as soon as we showed up, that's when they quit coming. I think, well, for one, they did something they told me not to do. They, every time they saw me, they say, don't get old. And that's exactly what they did. They just, they just let themselves get old, and they got to where they just couldn't do the things they used to do and it was almost like uh, myself and my wife and my family coming here, was, they were like, finally, thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer that somebody can fill our shoes. And, uh, and, and, and they, uh, you know, Fred's gone here. We did our, his funeral right here. And, um, you know, Mickey was so amazing. It's taken two, two people, Dan and myself, to try to do what he used to do. And that's for real. I, I, I mow this whole place, and I always think of him as I'm mowing. And then Dan is the one who's taking over, uh, making sure everything is flowing good here, along with others, you know, that help out. But, uh, so let's get to reading. So Elijah is going to be the one, our example here, of those people who are uh, training up. And Elisha is going to be the younger people the younger people who are being trained. Now, I'm going to start in 2 Kings chapter 1. I'm going to read a little bit out of this. But our main text today is chapter 2. 
This is 2 Kings chapter 1. Then Moab, verse 1, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and Ahaziah, I practice this. Ahaziah is what I practice, okay? Fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick, and he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baal Zebub, the god, notice little g, god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Now, isn't that pitiful? Absolutely pitiful that a king of Samaria or the northern kingdom, that they would send their, their people out to a false god to ask. You know, but but what, what are we doing today? We're doing the same thing today. So many people are... They have neglected the things of God, and God has actually turned His face from them, and now men think up their own ways to try to get answers. And they'll look to all kinds of different ways, scientific and, and the, the men of this world, and they want to get these answers, and they're leaving God out. But, verse 3, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt, shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. Now this king. When the messengers got back so quick, he said, why are you back so quick? It would take you a long time to go to where I sent you. And they said, well, we ran into a prophet, and he said, I mean, they probably really didn't want to tell him, but he said, you're going to die. You're not coming out of this bed. You're going to die of the disease you have right now. And the king said, what did this guy look like? And they described him, and he went, oh, brother, that's Elijah. He knew him. He knew the man of God, but didn't like him at all. And he sent uh, a captain of 50 with 50 men up to get Elijah to say, you need to go report to the king. And they called Elijah the man of God, and Elijah said, well, if I'm the man of God, how about I call down fire from heaven to consume you and your 50 men? And boom, they were torched. So the king just lost 51 people. And he says, all right, next up, uh, yeah, you captain of 50, get your 50, you go get him. And they probably reluctantly went out and showed the same disrespect for the man of God and Elijah said, okay, if I'm a man of God, how about I call down fire from heaven and boom, torch them. And the king said to the third captain of 50, where is that at? We need to read that part. Down here on 13. And, 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 and he sent again a captain of the third 50 and his 50, and the third captain of 50 went up. Now, you think he's got a clue now. These people have figured something out. Okay? 
went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty, thy servants, be precious in thy sight. Now he's got some real quick wisdom came up, real good for him, right? Do you understand the power of God and what he could do to you in a second? And we, we act like God is not doing anything and, and has removed himself and that we can just live any way we want to live and we're not going to suffer consequences. Well, I'm telling you, if you disobey the word of God, if you, if you just push it aside, one day this fire is going to fall on you. I promise you that. So be like this third uh, captain and get some wisdom from the people who are trying to share the way of salvation and the way to heaven with you. Please wake up. I've already prayed beforehand that the Spirit of God would move through this place and convict hearts because the Word of God enlightens your souls and the Holy Spirit will convict your souls, but it's up to you because God will never force you and make you to follow Him. But look at what He has done for you. So undeserving. All of us do not deserve anything that God has offered, but He did it anyway. He, he allowed His precious Son to die on that cross for each and every one of us. Are we going to not even look at the cross with Jesus hanging there? Are we going to totally ignore it and go the other way? I pray that the Holy Spirit is moving in your hearts and that you're being convicted and this Word of God will enlighten your souls and you will make a decision to follow Him. All right, let's jump over to chapter 2. Now, this is the famous story of Elijah departing. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now, what is this place Gilgal? It's a place where when the children of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years, they finally go over into the promised land and they show up at Gilgal and that's where they were circumcised. That is a picture of us having um, that operation of God, that, that uh, the circumcision made without hands that happens to each and every one of us when we have truly gone through the Jordan, we have gone up into the Promised Land, and that place of Gilgal is where our flesh, which can do nothing for God, that can produce nothing for God, has to be crucified. The old man is crucified, and now you, are, you can be raised up to walk in newness of life. See, we take on the experience of Jesus, according to Romans chapter 6, and we are to be buried with Christ... And then, like he was buried, we, he was raised up, and we are raised up with him. So Gilgal is a place where we remember that that is what happens to us. 
Now listen closely. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, as the, All right, so if Elijah is asking, you know, you need to stay here in Gilgal. Well, why not do that? Gilgal represents something very special, our true salvation. And why not stay there? It's a good place to stay. And Elijah says to Elisha, tarry here. You hang out here. I'm going to Bethel. And what does Elisha do? Does he stay? And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. They both go to Bethel. About a 15-mile walk, they go to Bethel. You know, it's, it's good to understand salvation, but you can get hung up there to where you don't move on to do the things that you're called to do that these older people have taught us and we need to carry on. There's a lot of things we're supposed to do. God wants us to be in fellowship with Him to go out into the world and do those things that Christians are supposed to do. All that traveling that you guys did, uh, singing in all these different places, that was just an example of it. Um, I can just name several examples of things, just ministry to nursing homes, uh, going to jail for jail ministry, all these different things that we do so that we can take the Word of God to those who need to know it. So, what's Bethel? What does it represent? It's the house of God. It's coming into this place. This, this, is a, this is what we have designated as our meeting place for the children of God, for the brothers and sisters in Christ to come and meet together. And it's amazing what happens when we all come together and all of our spirits are here. And you can just feel it. You can feel the presence of each and every person that is so important to God and when we come together, we're all parts of the body. So we meet at Bethel. Bethel was a very special place to these men. They would remember Abraham. They would remember Jacob seeing the ladder. And knowing that there, there's a way to get to God. And that ladder is Jesus. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth. This is verse 3 of chapter 2 of 2 Kings came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. Hold ye your peace. So he was speaking to each and every one of them, all these uh, 50 guys that came over. I don't even know, did I say 50? I don't even know if I said 50, but it's 50 of them. The sons of the prophets. They came over and they told him, do you know this? So they know, they know something. They're students. E Elijah has taught these guys for many years. It's not just Elisha that he's, that he's ministering to. He's ministering to a bunch. And this is just one of the places that these people, these sons of the prophets are. And they have shared some bad news. And Elisha said, I know. Don't bring it up right now. I don't want to think about it. And Elijah said unto him, 
Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. See, Elisha is being tested at each one of these locations. And as and Elijah knows that he's about ready to go out of here, and he needs to make sure that Elisha is ready to take over for him. So he's testing him to see if he's going to stay put in one area, uh, if he's going to be comfortable there, but he needs to visit all of these places. He needs to understand what each one of these places mean, the spiritual meaning behind them, and every one of us need to understand it as well. So, where are they going? They're going to Jericho. So, he, he's asked them, stay at Bethel. And Elijah says, stay at Bethel. And Elisha said, no, I'm going with you. Notice that Elisha is keeping his eyes on Elijah, and he's following him. Elijah represents something. Elijah is a type and picture of Jesus Christ. Elisha is us. Are we keeping our eyes on Jesus? Very important that we keep our eyes on Him at all times. So they go to Jericho. Why Jericho? What does it represent? After coming across the Jordan, the children of Israel had an amazing city with these huge walls, and if they couldn't conquer that, then they couldn't advance to do any other. So we all know the story. I say we all. Maybe we all don't. But we know the city of Jericho and the walls falling down, right? God has some really strange ways for us to have victory, right? So Joshua is standing out there by himself. He's praying, and he knows that this is an impossible thing for him and his army to take the city. And he runs into somebody out there, doesn't know who he was, but then when he realizes it was the Lord, he falls on his face, and he gets instructions from God of how to take out Jericho. So Jericho represents the world and how we can be overcomers of the world so that once we get past the world... See, when they came out of Egypt, they needed a miracle to get through that Red Sea. Moses led them out of bondage, and he led them through the wilderness, but when they got to the Jordan River, they needed a person who represented something different than the law to get them across the Jordan and into the Promised Land. So they have this huge city, and the instructions are, walk around the walls. Blow your little horns, and the walls are just going to fall down. Well, that made no sense to that army. Joshua had to go back and talk to the army and say, all right, this is how we're going to do it. And I bet you every single one of them had a better idea that made better sense to the human mind. Now, we've got to be very careful. That simple plan of salvation that Betty told us about, that, that just doesn't make sense to the wise of this world. You know, the... The, the teaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who 
perish, but it's the power of salvation for us who believe. So when we believe what, what God said about taking down the walls of Jericho, even though it doesn't make sense to us, and we might have better ideas, they're wrong ideas. Go with what God says. So walk around the walls of Jericho. And notice that they walked around. How many times did they walk around? Completely. All, all times. If you add them all up, how many times? Anybody know? 13. 13 times. Okay. Well, they walked around. A lot of people answer seven. Right? But they know their Bibles really, really well. So you walk around one time the first day and go home. Then you come back the next day, you walk around one time. Well, they did that six days in a row. And what good did that do them? Six times around, that's a lot. Why didn't that work? Well, just like Naaman, remember Naaman uh, who had leprosy and he was dunked in the Jordan? And, and he had to dunk how many times? Seven. After six, he probably said, I don't see a bit of change. Well, guess what? The six is the number of man, and your human efforts will never get you anywhere. You better listen and do the seventh time, and the seventh time you're dunked in the Jordan, boom, you are clean of your leprosy. All your sins are gone. And when the children of Israel came back the seventh day, they marched around the wall seven times, and the seven priests blew the seven trumpets, and the walls fell down. That was their first major victory. But you know what? Even though they did what God said, and they got the victory, there was one person who disobeyed. Just one person who took of the things they weren't supposed to take, and that caused problems for all of them. You know, each and every place that uh, they are going to, there was good things that happened, and there are bad things that happen. Now look at this, look, let's go back to Bethel. Bethel, the house of God. Look what has happened to most houses of God throughout this country. We're following the footsteps of Europe who have lost all their glorious churches. There's very few that are actually churches anymore. But because of how wonderful they were built and the architecture, they're so beautiful. Some of those great churches are now restaurants and hotels and fitness centers because the, there's no people of God that want to come meet there anymore. And we're following in the same footsteps. The house of God has been corrupted by worldly things. And we need to protect the house of God. We need to push out the worldly things and stay holy because He is holy. Verse 5. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. So surely Elisha is going to listen now, and he'll stay there. Uh, and he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went down, or went on. Now here's the 50. 
And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood, and, and they too stood by Jordan. So Elijah and Elisha, they're standing by the Jordan River. They have gone all the way back. So Elijah has taken Elisha, given him opportunity to stay back each and every time. And he's leading them back through their history of what has happened to them as a nation. And they've gotten back to that Jordan where they had first come over. Why are they doing this? Why are they going back there? And Elijah takes off his mantle. You know what a mantle is? It's a, a piece of cloth that he would have around him. And he took that mantle off and he walked up to the Jordan River. Now, do you remember what happened when Joshua was on the other side coming into the Promised Land and how they, the priest took the Ark of the Covenant and walked down and touched the waters and then all of a sudden the water stopped? This Jordan River that was at flood stage, it stopped and it separated and Joshua took them across. Well, they have come back to visit this place. And Elijah took the mantle off and he smacked the water and the water parted so they can walk over to the other side. Why would they do this? Eight, and Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry land. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. So why, why, would, why would he say this? And you know what? There are so many people in this world today that are all about grabbing a hold of things and holding so tightly to things, and they want to accumulate all the things of the world. They're holding on so tight. When you can't take any of it with you, it's all staying behind. So instead of, how much can I possess, Elijah's thinking, what can I give before I leave here? And Elisha, I mean, think of all the things that he could ask for. He says, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Wow. That is awesome, to ask for something like that. So that if he gets a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah, you've already seen what some amazing things Elijah could do. You know, if you count the number of miracles that are recorded that Elijah did, I think it's eight. And if you, re if you look at the number of miracles that Elisha did, I'm pretty sure it's 16 that are recorded. I'm sure they didn't, did others, but what's recorded in our scriptures, you realize that Elisha raised a man from the dead after he had been dead for many, many years? Remember that story? There was a, they were having a funeral many, many years from this. They were having a funeral. They were carrying this dead man to the gravesite, and the enemy shows up on the hill, in a rush, they take the, the dead man into a tomb, and I'm sure they, you know, easily laid him down. Usually, when I tell the story, I'm like, yeah, they threw him down so they can go fight against this enemy. But they laid him down, and his body touched 
the bones of Elisha, and he rose from the dead. Those people that we talked about earlier, who have gone on before us, even in their death, because of what they taught us, and because of the people they brought up after them, are still touching lives for Christ today because of what they did in the past in obedience to their Lord. And he said, Elijah said to Elisha, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be unto thee. So, that is exactly what happens. Elisha will not take his eyes off of Elijah, which is what we should be learning from this, is that we, as being, uh, Elisha represents us, and Elijah represents Christ, who was taken up in a whirlwind. Elijah was taken up like that. How was Christ taken out of here? He was talking to all his disciples. He was, he was there, and all of a sudden, he went up through the clouds. And then people, the angels say, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? You've got some things to do now. You have seen Jesus go up into the clouds. So we are to be like Elisha. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus, but don't just stand there gazing into heaven. Go do the things that he's called you to do. Notice that they are on the other side. The river has now flowing again, and Elisha is on the wrong side of the river, and he looks down after... Eli so there's, a, there's a, uh, a chariot of fire, there's the horse, horses of fire that have come down and have pushed them apart, and Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. And Elisha looks around, and he sees the mantle laying on the ground. And he walks over, and he picks it up. All right. Where, where? This, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down to verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? That's the title of today's message. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Is he here? Do you want him to be a part of this church do you want him to be a part of your life? We need to be asking, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We can ask, where is the Lord God of Mickey? The Lord God of Fred? The Lord God of Pug? The Lord God of Paul Harris? Where is he? Is he here? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Why did that have to happen? Why did that have to happen? Elijah could have been taken up into heaven from any place, but he chose to take Elisha all the way back through their history and get on the other side of Jordan, and I think this is why. Elisha standing there all by himself. He sees the mantle. He asks a very good question. And he walks up to the water. This is what you need to see in this. Elisha could not be a child of God unless he personally 
goes through that river Jordan himself. We can't get to the promised land because we went over with the church or we went over because our parents went to the church their whole lives and we were just, you know, there. We cannot depend on all of those other people that we hold so dear to our hearts. None of those people can save us that we mention. As great as all those people that we mention today, how great we, we love them, but none of them can save us, and none of them is what gets us over. But it's who they pointed us to that gets us over. And each person must walk up to the Jordan and hit it with the mantle and go through for yourself. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for all the examples of, in our lives of those people who have gone before us. And Father, we hold them dear in our hearts. But Father, they showed us a way. And that way is to ask where you are, Father. But we should be looking for you, that we should see you in everything that we do. Father, that it's through your power of the Holy Ghost being inside of us that we are able to do those things that you've called us to do. Father, it's the only way we get salvation. Father, it's the only way we can keep this house of God pure and push out all the things of the world. Father, it is through your ways and only through the shed blood of Christ that we have victory over this world. Father, your ways seem like craziness to those who don't believe. But Father, to us, we see the power in it. And Father, we humbly bow down to you. And we ask from our hearts that you would change us, that you would give those who need salvation the salvation that they need. Father, those of us who maybe are too attached to the world, that you would help us separate from the world. Father, those who have not uh, been set apart to do something that you've called us to do, that you would show us that and we would be willing to do the job that you've given us to do. And Father that we all, like we have met here today, that we will all meet in heaven one day and be with you for eternity. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.